All right, let's get started. Today is number 121, second to last daf in the entire tractate. Uh, yesterday was 120. We're going to do a review of yesterday's daf, then we'll get to today's. We are going to learn, have a mind, Rufo Shalema, for Hadassah Basranya, for uh, Amy Basvora, for Yehudas Basara, Rachaleya Basara. Um, Yaakov Pinchas Ben Chayita, um, the runs, I don't know, what, what's David the Michal David Michal Ben, ben Devora, Devora and, and Yosef Ben, Yosef ben Mina. Mina. And anyone else who needs it. And we're starting our review at the Gemara on the bottom of the page of Dav Kufi Tesem and Beis. So um, we started off talking about that. What if one of the, again, we're talking about two sisters in law. One has. Um, 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 and they each say about their husband that their husband died, but they're believed vis-a-vis the fact that their husband is dead for their, as far as they're concerned. But they're not believed as far as the sister-in-law is concerned because that's the one of the people we don't believe. But if one of the two witnesses has uh, Adim, um, and that one of these two wit- women have witnesses that saw that their husband dead, and they also have children, so that would allow both of them to get married because the other one's allowed to marry because, well, well maybe she falls to Yibam. No, there's witnesses that saw the other one dead. Maybe that one should have to go to, 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 to her. We believe her that her husband's dead, but maybe she needs to fall to Yibam. We don't know for sure that the brother-in-law's dead. That's true, but yeah, she has children, so she doesn't fall to Yibam either. So that if, even if one has both witnesses and children, then neither of them have a problem. They would be allowed to be free to marry. Then we got into the case of uh, the Machlokas, where, uh, let's say, they um, testified and then they did Yibam to what the, some of the brothers that are here that weren't uh, overseas. So, that, so that's fine, because they're believed as far not only to get married, but also to do Yibam. So they do Yibam to the brother here. The other one's believed that does Yibam to another brother here. And then those brothers die. So according to the Tanakhama, that reverts back to the same problem. Right now, the, uh, the only, there may be a brother left, and that brother, is, we only know, is dead from the say-so of this woman. And the same is true with the other one. On this, Rebbe says, no, once they've been permitted to the Yavamin, they're already permitted to all, to all men, and that was the bottom line. So... Rava asked the question, what is the reasoning of Rabbi Lazar? What's the basis why Rabbi Lazar trusts the, the co-wife, the rival wife over here? Is it because co-wives can testify for their, for as far as, and, and believed even for the other person? Or because she wouldn't ruin her own life just to spite um, her, the, the rival? Okay, and what's the practical difference? Do we allow the co-wife to marry before she herself gets married? In other words, if we're only believing her in the sense that she wouldn't ruin her own life, so then she needs to be in the same boat. She's only in the same boat if she gets married. So we wouldn't allow the other one to marry until this one marries. And that's the, ba- that's the machlokas. So, I mean, the two sides that, we, that we're questioning. So... Now, what's the so we brought a proof. Rabbi Lazar says that since it's mutter to the Yavamin, they're, they're permitted to the Yavamin, they're permitted to all men. Isn't that imply? 
um, that uh, it, that it's only because they got married. Um, but that's why that they, since she's already married, therefore she we believe them that the, the other one could get married. But if you say it's the, that it's it's regardless of that, so then why would we say it this way? So the Gemara answers. Uh, so it, all, it must be that it's only because she's already married that we believe her. She wouldn't ruin her own life. Gemara says it's not a conclusive proof because it could be that Rebbe Lazar is saying this as an argument to the rabbi. He said, look, I trust the co-wife no matter what. Um, regardless, uh, you who don't trust the co-wife, you should at least trust it in this case where she herself would, you know, was putting her li- her life on the line, so to speak, her you know, ruining her own life. Um, she should be believed, be believed in that case. And the Rabbanon said, even there, she's not believed because of the issue of what we call Tamos Nafshi Plishtim. She would sometimes harm her own, do some self-harm, just so she knows that the other one will also be harmed. But why would she ruin her life if we know there is a net? No, we're talking about where there's no witnesses. See, it's only on her say-so. Okay. That's what we're talking about. Only on her say-so. So we tried another proof. We said that a woman went uh, overseas with her husband. And uh, she comes back saying her husband's dead. She's allowed to get married. And she takes a ksuba, but the co-wife is not. And Rabbi Lazar says, well, once she's permitted, so then, so is the co-wife. Doesn't that imply that permitted alone is enough? You, know, you don't need her to be married already. So the Gemara says, um, no, you could read it that since she was permitted and she married. Why don't we worry about this possibility that maybe she really overseas, she got a get from the husband. And he didn't die. She's coming back with a story saying that her husband's dead. She'll herself get married. And really the reason why she could get married is because she got a get. And, uh, and then the co-wife will say, oh, once you're married, then I can get married. And she'll get married. And then the husband's going to show up. And her co-wife, her rival wife, will, her life will be ruined. So the Gemara says... Absolutely, that is a concern. The reason why we don't worry about it is because she didn't just marry a Yisrael, she married a Kohen, and since she married a Kohen, obviously she would, she, if, if, it's, if she actually got a get, she would never be, uh, would have done that to herself. Okay, took us to the next Mishnah, which is the, the way we identify bodies. So we said, so we said uh, uh, three basic uh, criteria. What do you need to see, first of all? You need to see a recognition of the face, the face, including the nose, okay? Um, bodies, uh, you know, other simanim on the body and on the clothes is not acceptable. Second, we said that uh, you cannot testify until after the person's dead. Um, almost dead or look, looks like, you know, doesn't look like a good chances of survival is not sufficient evidence, Okay? Even very severe injuries like dismemberment, uh, being hung, um, being eaten by animals um, is not sufficient. That's the second principle of the Mishnah. The third principle of the Mishnah is that the testimony must be within three days of the death. If the, if that's when the body must be identified. Post three days, the body is too disfigured to give a proper identification. Uh, Rabbi Yudu Ben Bava says that uh, it's not necessarily three days. Uh, uh, people are different, places are different, and times are different. So all this, there's many factors that can go into how long you would be able to recognize. And uh, we'll see more about this in today's daf.
So first of all, when we define what, what is the face, the face includes the forehead, includes the facial features, the eyes, nose, uh, and, uh, eyes and mouth, and also the nose, together with the nose. Uh, Bayi says, because all those things can distort a person's features and they would be not recognizable. Um, and that's based on the Pasuk. Pasuk says, HaKars Panehem Onzabam. So you see, it's the, the, this concept of facial recognition. It's a, it's a real thing. Um, uh, the story goes that Abba Bar Marsa, who was also known as Abba Bar Minyumi, he owed money to the Rish Galusa, and he took some wax and put it on his forehead to, shape, to give a different shape to his forehead. Um, and they couldn't they didn't recognize him. So you see, it really, really does change changes your appearance completely. Okay, now we said Simanim is not reliable. So the question really gives us gets us back into a Baba Metzia issue. What level of trust is there for Simanim signs? How much are they reliable, and how much aren't they reliable? So uh, it sounds like from our Mishnah that Simanim must not be Minatora because um, and uh, basically. Um, that that's seemingly contradicted by another halacha when it comes to a get. That if you see the get in in his clothes amongst his clothes, um, uh, wallet, uh, signet ring, all those things, we said uh, um, even if it's much later, we assume that it's a kosher get and it's the right get. So what's the difference? So Pai says it's a machlokes tanaim whether simanim are rice or not. and the rabbanon because they were talking about. A mole? Can you use a mole as your proof to identify the per- a body? And Reb Lezbar and Baboy says yes, and uh, the Tanakhama says not. So doesn't that sound like if you hold Simonim Deraisa, so yes. If you hold Simonim is Derapanan, then no. So Rabbi says not true. Really, everybody could be holding between Reb Lezbar and Baboy and the Tanakhama is that Simonim are Deraisa. So the problem is, is that uh, maybe. Um, Rav Lezra, uh, uh, Tanakhama says that it's not reliable because they hold that uh, other people born under the same constellation, the same mazel, will also have the same mole. Interesting idea. And that's, uh, that's the, their opinion. And, uh, and uh, Rav Lezra says it's not, not true. Um, um, anyway, the next idea is, another possibility is, is that it could be that it's a, it's a mole, but the moles can change after death, and that's the question. Do they change after death, or do they stay the same? Or, alternatively, it could be that both sides are of the opinion um, that Simanim are Durabanan only. And the question is, maybe Shuma is an exceptional, exceptionally good Simon. Is Shuma the Simon Mufak, which... Is, uh, which is better than a regular simon. Normal simonim aren't really reliable. They're only reliable on a rabbinic level, not on a Torah level. But this is a simon mufak, which is better. And the other opinion, and that's the question, do we make an exception for, is, is this qualifies as a simon mufak or not? So then the Gemara wanted to know, according to the first version, where Rabbi says that it's simonim arda raisa, how does that fit in with our Mishnah that says that you're not allowed to rely on simonim? So in, in the body and on the and in his clothing. So why not? So the Gemara says on the body, the reason is because we're not talking about an actual like, you know, a freckle or something that we, you know, that's like a, a specific thing. It's, you know, general, generality. So, you know, it's like brown hair, tall, short. Those are things that are not very, you know, very specific. Those types of money are not reliable. And clothing, we, even if it is his clothing, maybe he lent it out to his neighbor. To somebody else that looks like him. 
So the Gemara says, wait a second, do we really concern ourselves with the possibility of lending? Um, why then by, uh, by, can we trust the donkey based on the saddle? So the Gemara said, that's because the saddle of the donkey, people don't land. As you've heard, horse professionals, they, don't, they keep each saddle special, it's molded on the body. Um, that's not something that's, uh, that's, that, 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 that's shared between animals. Um, well, what about, um, okay, um, what about if it's tied? We talked about the case of the tied with the, with the wallet and the money belt and the signet ring, so how do you return that? The answer is those are things also that you never give out. I mean, nobody's going to give out their signet ring uh, because uh, we're afraid of, of forgeries. And their wallet and money belt is because uh, people, we, um, just look at it in a way with bad luck that if they, you know, they're giving away their mazal when they give away their wallet. So they don't do that. So those are things that are typically not let. Um, so la- last night when I gave the shear on the U.S. stuff, so he asked, is that, wait a second, didn't you the giveaway signet ring to Tamar? And I said, that's a great question. I don't have an answer. But he did, right? Wasn't that one of the things? Tabaz? She asked for a sa'a for something. So I think that, you know, that's the difference between lending and uh, watching, you know, to, you know like uh, he's come to get it back. He's like, and that's the guarantee that he's going to come back for it because, you know, you know he wouldn't leave it uh, in someone else's hands uh, for a long period of time. But anyway, I thought it was a very good question. Anyway, um, that's one uh, possibility. Alternatively, that we're not talking about things that are not lent out, the types of garments that aren't lent out, but uh, clothes could be like just generic, like, oh, it's a white shirt, dark pants, glasses, you know, things that are really very common. Okay, not very, not, not something that you can really rely on. All right, we said that even if you saw a person dismembered, it's not enough. So you mean you can live if a person dismembered? We have a Mishnah coming up that, uh, um, uh, that a person is not coming until even if he's, uh, even if he's dismembered, but it does sound like he's definitely not going to live. Um, so the Gemara says it's machlokas Rishonim and Lozon that have chamim, because can you testify about a person who is dismembered or hung? Uh, Tanakam says yes, that he, you could testify that he's dead. And Rishonim and Lozon says even um, uh, even uh, dismembered, you can't testify because uh, it can be he can be healed if you take care of it. You, you know right away. You can cauterize the wound and he'll survive. So the Gemara says, um, How can we go on with Rishim ben Elazar? It doesn't uh, ladder. We quote it in the next Mishnah that the story took place in this town of Asya. They lowered a man down into the water and uh, they got a foot. That's all they got back. And uh, the Chacham said, If they got the foot below the knee, he could be that he'll live in the water. It's possible. But um, if they got him above the knee, then he's definitely going to die. So the Gemara says that's because water is worse than uh, just any old wound. In the water, it just makes the wound worse. Now, uh, Rabbi Barchana said, Barchana said that uh, I saw a, an Arab that went ahead and took a knife and cut up his camel, you know, alive, and uh, he, he, didn't, he continued to groan. It sounds like he, lived, he was living through the ordeal. So either Abai says that... Um, um, that talked that that was a weakened animal, and um, and Rabbi says that we're talking about where the knife was, 
was white hot, he heated up the knife so that it cauterized as it cut, and that's why the animal was able to live, although be quite in pain. Next, we talked about is the uh, animal eating. So, Rabbi Yud said, that's only if uh, the animal's biting him in a place where you don't automatically die, a hand or foot. But if it's by his neck, so then that is a sufficient testimony. You don't have to see more than that. And the last thing we talked about is if a person you know, was taking a shave and the guy cut a little too close, um, and uh, he ended up cutting his trachea and esophagus, or the majority of such, and the man ran away. So you can testify that he's definitely dead. Um, but uh, there's a contradiction, because Rav Yudhisattin Shmuel, that uh, if a person um, would, after being cut that way, um, does sign language that he needs you know, the guy to write a get to his wife and give it, uh, we can do that. It means that the guy could live for a while. So the Gemara says, no, he's still alive so far, but death is inevitable. Can't, can't fix it. Um, so why not go to Golos? The answer is, is that although you may surely die, the, it, you don't go to Golos if there's other factors that, that speeded up the death process. And either it's, it's uh, the wind that causes it, the final blow that he should die, or it's the... Um, or um, maybe he, by jerking around, is uh, caused his death, caused his own death. And the nafkamina, the practical difference will be, is um, if it, if it was in a sealed room and he moved around, or it was not in a sealed room, but he didn't move. So that's where the practical difference between the two are, and that. Is-